augmented and virtual reality is one of these episodes that focuses on technology that's here and exists but isn't fully fledged yet. So it is an episode more about how it will impact the future. So what is AR and VR? Virtual reality is an experience taking place within simulated and immersive environments that can be completely different from the real world. It, at present, is mostly carried out on a headset which tries to fully immerse you in its environment. Augmented reality is an interactive experience of a real-world environment where the objects that reside in the real world are enhanced by computer-generated information. Augmented and virtual reality could be as important to the 21st century as television and cinema was combined in the 20th. It could utterly transform the way we live, experience consciousness, are entertained and informed. In short, it will transform our everyday. An Apple investor in Silicon Valley once said he'd seen the future in several products, the Apple II, Macintosh, Netscape, Google and iPhone, and most recently he'd seen the future in the Oculus Rift. VR technology will be worth an estimated $60 billion over the next decade. However, we still might have some waiting to do for it to become an all-consuming technology. VR headwear is limited, awkward to wear, and focusing on a screen so close to your eyes could cause eye strain. While room-scale VR, think the holodeck from Star Trek, takes up a whole lot of room and a whole lot of expense. It, however, could be the cinema of the future. The use for this technology could be for personal gratification, such as entertainment, or for professional uses, such as training for doctors, pilots, internal design, doctors, and general employers. What makes VR so powerful is also what limits it. This is where AR comes in. AR is the smartphone if VR is the desktop. AR can be placed in any area. AR could be a heads-up display. It could be used on car windscreens. It could be built into your eyes and is something we've seen in countless films. The ability to overlay information onto the real world. And, in a more advanced form, an ability to overlay everything the eye would naturally see. By 2050, smart glasses may have replaced the smartphone. You could walk past the cafe you've augmented to look like 1920s Paris, an 1820s Lancashire cotton town or Diagon Alley. Towns may employ people not to clean up natural streets, but to clean up communal digital ones. So, in the episode, first we will address VR and then AR in turn, talking about their history and their development. So what is VR? The first requirement for VR is an artificial environment. This, in effect, could mean anything. A video game, film, or even an immersive photograph. The second is that it has to be immersive. Not necessarily lifelike, but immersive. You cannot watch Toy Story and not be immersed in the narrative and the characters. 
In the end, it's not about actually forgetting that you're in a headset, but completely immersed in the experience you're having. At present, VR screens are about two inches from your eyes, but we don't have quite the technological levels yet to have the pixel density as to not see the pixels when they're so close to your eyes. To reach this level, VR technology would need to reach about 10 times the levels of pixel density of the MacBook Pro's Retina displays. So it's still some way off. The key to VR will be in its ability to immerse its audience. This won't all be about pixels and hardware. The most immersive entertainment form is 5,000 years old and is simply writing on a paper. Great novels have proven themselves to be more immersive than any other technology, and people can spend hours locked away with just words. If VR is to have a future, it is crucial that people find the best uses of the technology that is surely coming. So where did VR come from? Ivan Sutherland was a student at MIT who created a complicated array of goggles formed from a device suspended from the ceiling that looked like binoculars where a computer screen allowed you to see images on a screen that showed images and allowed you to change your perspective on the screen as you moved your head. It was called the Sword of Damocles and it was probably the first VR headset but eventually it was adapted commercially for use in in-flight simulators. Meanwhile at NASA Northern California, two miles away from present Google headquarters, they were developing a virtual workstation. A helmet similar to a Daft Punk headset pumped information and entertainment called Vived, Virtual Visual Entertainment Display. This was almost the coining of the term virtual reality. Only a short trip away was the VPL Research Center who were developing a pair of eye goggles called the iPhone, yes genuinely, but spelt E-Y-E phone. Jaron Lanier began calling it a virtual reality. Along with the iPhone, customers got a data glove to control what users saw in the headset, as well as a data suite, where customers got into a suit-like artificial skin and could manipulate what they saw. It should come as no surprise when the whole setup came, complete with computers, it cost $350,000. So VPL filed for bankruptcy in the 1990s. But it did create the idea of virtual reality and specifically head-worn displays. Like much tech released in the past 50 years, VR sees much development in sci-fi. Neil Stevenson's 1992 novel, Snow Crash, saw a world where people used VR goggles to see a series of interconnected worlds called a metaverse. In the 1995 film, Johnny Mnemonic, Keanu Reeves used a VR headset to hack into a Beijing hotel. The 90s saw the start of VR headsets in public consciousness. During the 1990s, there were attempts at making VR for gaming. The Sega VR was for arcade games and the Sega Mega Drive, while a couple of other attempts were made by several other companies.
but none would even remotely catch the interest of people, partly due to the price tag and partly due to another technology coming around at the same time, allowing for an even better and cheaper way to connect with other people, the internet. But it took until 2012 for people to start looking into these new VR technologies. At the E3 conference, there were rumours of a mysterious virtual reality device that only a few people had seen. Many were of course sceptical. VR had been a failure during the 1990s, and there was no reason to think, even with the growth of consumer electronics since the release of the iPod, that this had changed. Looking like a pair of ski goggles with silver duct tape across the front and cables around the back, it frankly looked a bit amateur, until you tried it on. The Oculus Rift was and is a breakthrough technology. A year later, and after raising $2 million on Kickstarter, a new and better version of the Oculus Rift was produced for E3, this time without the duct tape. A year later, an Oculus Rift was bought by Facebook for $2 billion. VR had come back. By 2016, there were five solid, reliable VR systems on the market. At Sundance 2015, VR fever had hit, and there were several films released for VR headsets. All were different and all took different steps to what VR filmmaking would look like. But one film in particular, Henry, may prove the first VR classic. An animation in the style of a Pixar film, the film doesn't show you the film, but it lets you see and experience Henry the Hedgehog's birthday party. VR filmmaking may be the quickest method for getting VR headsets into people's homes. It seems to be the quickest developing. Hollywood studios have made VR versions of their own films, bought VR companies, while in 2017, Alejandro Gonzalez Iñárritu, who directed Birdman in 2014, shot a VR movie in 2017, which showed viewers about a journey from Mexico to the United States. This seven-long-minute movie won a Special Achievement Award at the Oscars. The previous awarding of the Special Achievement Academy Award before Flesh and Sand was the first computer-generated animation feature film, Toy Story. It won't be long until there are more breakthroughs in VR technology, and these breakthroughs will be large enough that people will not look for PlayStations for their birthday, but VR headsets. So what is the current state of VR? Apart from the Oculus Rift, there is the HTC Vive, Sony PlayStation VR, and then Google Cardboard, a cheap $15 headset which allows for a crude form of VR. Something for the mass market, but not quite good enough to be a major breakthrough product. While the high-end consumer VR is dominated by Samsung Gear VR. However, VR is more broad than just headsets. There are large-scale and fixed-location VR. This is things such as VR caves and VR walls. Being used by the scientific and professional communities, 
They come in various shapes and sizes. Most caves and walls are designed for multiple people, and most have location sensors so the display can revolve around your head, rather than a need for you to move to get a different perspective. But VR displays are not simply rectangles or squares. Hemispheres and domes are popular too, especially for training in the US Army. These VR domes and headsets takes up enormous amounts of space, and rather than with a headset, they enable immersion simply by being so huge and realistic. One other challenge that VR is still coming to terms with is haptic illusion, the ability to touch and feel virtually. The challenge for VR tech now is to first get tactile sense, the ability to detect and perceive mechanical stimuli like external pressures vibrations, flutters, textures, and skin stretching. While the second issue is the kinesthetic sense, the ability to detect tension and forces in our muscles and senses. A very basic form of tactile feedback is the buzzing and vibration of game controllers or a vibrating mobile device. So it's relatively easy to make a device buzz. This isn't new to us anymore. But in order to create true VR, we'll have to feel as though we are feeling like we're in a virtual simulation. The most talked about way to solve this issue seems to be a mass market style tactile feedback glove, such as the Glove One, developed by NeuroDigital Technologies in Spain, which is capable of 1024 different intensities and frequencies. So, for any creative, VR is a great new opportunity to express emotions and thoughts. A new canvas and media for sharing ideas, stories and fictions. There are no limitations by physics. If you are a painter, you aren't limited by a 2D canvas. If you are a sculptor, you aren't held back by materials. The only limitations are programming skills and artistic ability. But perhaps the most immediate potential is for gaming. I think every gaming company now has a VR division, and almost every single type of game, single user first person games, multiplayer first person games, massively multiplayer first person games, are all going to have a VR revolution. The other major VR concept is immersive video. It is a relatively straightforward concept, with normal video of filmmaking, a director and camera operator picks a frame or a scene to be filmed. The editor then puts it all together to decide what the end user sees. In immersive video or cinematic VR, camera systems are used to capture imagery in all directions at the same time, and it is the end user who chooses what they see and which way they look. 360 degree video cameras have been available for a while now, and they are fairly common. In recent years, there has been an introduction of stereoscopic 360 cameras. In these systems, there is a separate left and right 360 captured and viewed in stereoscopic head-mounted displays. This technology has large-scale potential. One of the first events using this technology was a Paul McCartney concert filmed at Candlestick Park in San Francisco, where three cameras recorded the entire concert. 
The configuration of the jaunt camera system is constantly changing. At present, it is a camera rig of 16 individual cameras, with an extra 4 on top and 4 at the bottom, all recording 24 individual files and then at 4K resolution uploaded to the cloud. These 24 videos are merged into a single file with left and right eye panoramic video. However, even with all the hype in VR, I still think AR is the more promising technology. But what exactly is AR? Augmented reality is creating an interactive experience for the real world environment. The real world is therefore enhanced by the digital. In the future it is likely we will see much of the world through augmented reality. You won't look at a map for directions to where you want to go. Your eyeglasses or digital contact lenses will lay out a route on the path before you. It'll be like playing a video game with the cheat mode on. You will never need to check a bus timetable again. You simply get on the bus you're told to. You'll never forget a name again. It's likely that Facebook will be uploaded to augmented reality software. So when you meet somebody, you'll be able to see their name, relationship status, and everything else you might need within seconds of meeting them. Great news for those on the pull at the bar is your AR glasses will let you know somebody's likes and interests and relationship status as you look around, but less good for people interested in privacy. If you think this is all a long way away, the first iPhone was released only 13 years ago. Things can move very quickly. So in terms of technology, how will we get to an AR world? Currently I think it will come from smartphones and tablets. We all saw a few years ago Pokemon Go Mania, and then the release of Wizards Unite into how AR gaming was starting to break into public consciousness. You can see this new world through an app, but in future getting your phone out every 30 seconds will prove tiresome. So new displays are being looked at. The most famous of these currently are eyeglasses. This was tried by Google and their failed Google Glass. But in future, they could be made to look exactly like how prescription glasses do. Not only will they correct your vision, they will let you see a whole new world. A heads-up display like an Air Force pilot might also be used but I think these are too big and too unwieldy for day-to-day -day consumer use. But they will be used for more specialised needs. I think the other possibility will be contact lenses. AR imaging contact lenses are already being looked into. I think contact lenses and glasses will be the two primary methods in future of how the new AR world will look. It may be a case of like modern people in modern times Sometimes you will wear your normal glasses, and sometimes you put in your AR contact lenses. If we're going full sci-fi madness, there's also the possibility of a virtual retinal display, VRD, which is a display directly scanned onto the retina. But I mentioned before that I think AR will be the more revolutionary invention of the two. Why do I think that? Well, I think it has the possibility to be far more integrated into our lives than VR, which will likely mostly be used for entertainment. AR, like VR, 
has a long history of speculation. L. Frank Baum, the author of The Wizard of Oz, mentioned the idea of an electronic display that overlays data onto real life. In 1980, Gavin Lintern of the University of Illinois published the first work showing the value of a heads-up display for teaching real-world flight skills. But it wasn't until 1990 with a researcher at Boeing, Thomas Cordell, coining the term augmented reality, when it started to break more into the mainstream. One could claim augmented reality can be dated back to 1901 with Howard Grubb and his invention of targets that helped for firing projectile weapons. With humans only able to focus on one field of depth at a time, either something close up or far away, it makes aiming a gun far more challenging. Grubb's invention allowed for the best possible, optically speaking, gun sights, which helped you to focus on something close and far away at the same time. This was a crucial step towards heads-up displays. The first heads-up displays were operational with the British Buccaneers in 1958. Throughout the 1960s, cockpits were increasingly fitted with helmets, and these helmets increasingly had heads-up displays. The first US ones were added in the 1970s onto helicopters in order to help them fire better. In more recent years, these have been shrunk to glasses, and the increasing ease of use has prompted ideas of more commercialization. With these glasses we could use, it is debated whether these would be see-through optical lenses or glasses with images added onto the top or a video see-through so the real world would be videoed, relayed back and then the images added on top of the video. But in perhaps the near term future we will all use handheld and mobile AR devices such as smartphones. So at the start of the third decade of the 21st century, where is AR technology? There are currently several augmenting displays of the head-mounted variety. The Epson Mavero BT300, the Loomis DK50 intended for more professional use, while others such as the Athea AIR or ODG Smart Glasses or Microsoft HoloLens announced in 2015 are all AR devices that have yet to break really into the public consciousness. The first to really break through was Google Glass, with no AR or VR product ever eliciting such emotion and interest. Firstly, because it was released by Google, perhaps only second to Apple in its ability to hype products. And secondly, perhaps because it was such a sci-fi invention. And yet Google Glass was pulled in 2015. But it did find its niche and is being used to track rhinos and tigers in Nepal and used in professional settings in hospitals, warehouses and remote service industries. A product I think genuinely ahead of its time. It was an engineering marvel. In Google Glass there were several new and revolutionary technologies used in a creative manner. But whilst popular amongst hobbyists and technophiles, AR at present is stuck with two problems. What will it be used for and what will be the killer app? At present, AR is aiming to be used more by professionals 
than consumers. So we've talked about the use of VR and AR in the more consumer electronic arena, but they could utterly revolutionise professional areas too. Architecture and construction is the first area we'll look at. Humans already have amazing abilities for spatial visualisation. We can conceive complex 3D geometry in different spaces and forms. However, the human mind does have limits. With the increase in complexity of new architectural designs, there will be a need for these to be communicated to clients. The ability to gain an image from a 2D drawing or tabletop model of a building will need updating. Using immersive virtual reality and augmented reality, it should be possible to revolutionise construction. The use of VR to demonstrate and visualise one-to-one scale projects and the complex geometry that designers, buildings and clients would need means VR technology is being used all over the world by hundreds of architectural, construction management and real estate offices around the world. In the science world, AR and VR will become increasingly vital in engineering fields like aerospace and automotive design. AR and VR will increasingly be used with submarines and large naval ships being designed largely through VR glasses, while automotive companies are using AR and VR for engineering needs. With cars becoming increasingly complex and the need for a high degree of testing, this is something a virtual environment can offer, in part. This offers the ability to collaborate in real time on tasks such as mechanical systems, vehicle appearance and overall customer experience. AR and VR currently comprise a powerful extension in a variety of engineering fields. The two technologies are going to directly impact and improve an engineer's ability to invent, innovate, build and improve structures, machines and processes. However, the process of using AR and VR in manufacturing is still improving. At the moment, this is still limited, but as the technology gets better, it will see a large increase in the uses of this technology in engineering. AR and VR is seeing a transformational impact in medicine. Firstly, it can be used in training situations. A cataract surgery simulator is one of the great ways that is being used to help solve the issues of cataract, being the leading source of blindness in the world. It works by having a virtual eyeball inside a computer-generated machine, which looks like the same type of equipment you would use to take out a cataract and provide a level of realism in all areas that makes it nearly indistinguishable from that of actual cataract surgery while there is a similar development for other medical needs. Like engineering and architecture, these developments in medicine are not yet fully reached, but the benefits to education is immense. While AR developments could be even more profound, allowing medical information to be brought up in an overlaying sensor, allowing for better and quicker medical treatment. With new technologies, there are increasing legal worries to consider. The most likely results will be fast advances in technology and then the relevant authorities introducing regulation, 
rather than the tech companies waiting for regulators to guide them. The first mover advantage, therefore, is such an important thing. Plus, you can influence regulators if you introduce something people like, and then they are placed in a far harder position to try and ban it or regulate it once people have gotten used to it. There will be a wide range of legal disputes and issues companies involved in this tech will have to deal with, from sickness caused by VR headsets to breaking things in the real world when having a VR headset on. Just look at the examples of people suing Nintendo claiming the wrist strap on the Nintendo Wii's were not effective enough. But I think one of the more interesting results will be law in the virtual world. If you're in a virtual world and somebody designs a Gucci jacket for this virtual world, something that has no real worth, could this be considered a copyright violation? While virtual currencies may need regulation to avoid things like money laundering and fraud. If you buy a virtual sculpture for your virtual living room and somebody steals it, does that count as theft? It may sound odd, but lawyers and regulators are wondering about these questions too. And if lawyers are involved, it's safe to assume there will be money in it. Since the introduction of virtual realities, there have been renewed moralists claiming that with VR being more realistic than current video games, violent VR games will increase violent behaviour in teenagers and young adults. Furthermore, especially when AR starts to creep into our life, we will see profound data and privacy issues in the same way that has started to reach mainstream attention in the last few years, with the proliferation of big data companies using ordinary people's information as products. AR and VR is clearly in its infancy. There should be no arguments about this. But we are on the brink. In the next decade or so, it's going to see a huge leap forward. The earliest movers look to be pornographers and gamers. In terms of AR, there is unlikely to be a killer app that drives the use of AR technology. But a range of applications, initially on smartphone, and then most likely moving towards more specialized technologies like glasses. The technology is mostly hype at the moment, but hype isn't all bad. Hype fosters creative thought and draws people into the technology to be an early adopter. Eventually, however, the hype will subside towards more substantial actual developments. Only time will tell how crucial these technologies will be in the grand scheme. But it seems like AR and VR is one of those near-term developments that will happen. I think these technologies will see much more potential than we can dream of today, and the potential applications more creative and incredible than we can conceive of. And so for that reason, virtual and augmented reality is listed at number 70 on my list of the greatest inventions of all time. Thank you.